That'll do it. The game may be over, but our coverage of Utah Jazz basketball is just beginning. That kid is on fire on catch and shoot threes right now. This is Utah Jazz Game Night Post Game Show. Dante drives in and out and bounces to Gobert, and he rocks the pass Presented by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Now, it's time for a complete wrap of tonight's Utah Jazz game on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. Jazz fall tonight to the Raptors, one thirty to one ten. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson of KSL Sports, uh, with you. We'll get you sound from the podium and from the locker room as well. But uh, tough night tonight, uh, Ben, for the Utah Jazz. Toronto, uh, we were just talking about in the break. I, I don't think a lot of people, including myself, that thought that they would be this good. But they're really good. They've got a bunch of good players. They all fit together uh, perfectly. I thought you said it really well on uh, during crosstalk. Uh, they've been playing together for a long time, and yep. they're a team that plays like it. Hey, here's what I loved from the Raptors tonight. They came out and they said, well, if you're going to drop Rudy Gobert in the paint, we'll just kill you with Marcus Hull. We'll just let him shoot threes. And he hit three in the first quarter, and the game was over. I mean, it was that simple. And, and the, talking in crosstalk where the identity of the Jazz is, I don't think the Jazz knew what their identity was on how to fix that. And that's right. what this young team is still trying to figure out. And I don't mean young by the age of the players. I just mean experience together. Where do you go when things are going bad to stop that run? And tonight the Jazz didn't know because you had Bogdanovich which, with a bunch of turnovers or in the first quarter. Uh, Donovan Mitchell wasn't getting touches in the first quarter. Mike Conley wasn't being the calming patient I th- or the, the, the calming force that I think a lot of people expected coming in. He's clearly not comfortable yet being that guy. And then you couldn't get Gobert started, and I think some of that's still his, his ankle injury, and he's coming back from that ankle injury. The Jazz didn't have that obvious go-to answer on what to do to stop what Toronto was doing so well. And some of it was just missed shots and, you know, not getting anything to go, including, you know, a missed Rudy Gobert dunk that was wide open. I mean, there was enough going wrong for the Jazz that it amplified everything. But that's where the identity comes in. Of The Jazz just don't have an easy stop yet, which is why they were down 15 against Memphis as well. They just don't know where to put on that brakes quickly. Let's t- uh, check out your sharp stats of the game. Brought to you by the Les Olson Company. Les Olson Company, your office technology partner. Tonight, the Jazz shot 42.2% from the field, which is amazing because it half been, what were they, 27? Yeah, under 30. 27%. So that's obviously an improvement in the second half. Uh, they were 13 of 35 from three, 37%. They were led tonight by Mike Conley, who had 20 points on 7 of 13 shooting. Donovan Mitchell had 16. Jeff Green had 19 points coming in off the bench. Rudy had 12. Bogdanovich with 11. Turnovers continue to be an issue for the uh, for the Jazz Ben. They had 18 total turnovers tonight, and most of that was in the first half. Uh, they had 12 turnovers in the first half, and and really, I mean, we talked about it at halftime. I mean, once you're down 40, you know, the that's that's beyond the best comeback in NBA history, which is yep. the Jazz against the Nuggets, and, and this one uh, was was just going to be over. And and the turnovers in the first half had a big big part of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was crazy watching that first quarter. The Jazz, I mean, weren't getting shots up most trips down the floor, it felt like. I mean, they would get into the paint, dribble penetration, and it felt like, okay, that's that's where we want to be. And then the Raptors would just swarm, and they're so long, whether that's Siakam, Gasol, uh, 
uh, OG Ananobi. I mean, that, Serge Ibaka. I mean, they have guys who it seems like everyone has a seven-foot wingspan on that roster, and then they would get out in transition going the other way, and they would either get a dunk, a layup, or kick out for a three, and it was just, I mean, it was just a, a blitzkrieg. It was just over for the Jazz as quickly as I've seen. I mean, 37 to 20 after one quarter, you're really not going to come back from that no. most nights. I know you did against Memphis, but Memphis is young and doesn't know how to play together at all. And then you were outscored by even more in the third quarter, or in the second quarter. You are outscored by 23 points after getting outscored by uh, 17 in the first quarter. So it just got away from the Jazz very quickly. Well, and Memphis doesn't have Pascal Siakam, who was unbelievable. Yeah. 35 points on 14 of 22 shooting, but he had 19 points uh, in the first quarter, Ben. And as you mentioned, you know, you're down 17 after one. <laughs> I mean that's that's a long haul coming you're, back. So. Yeah, your your margin for error when you're down 17 at any point in a basketball game is basically zero, and it got worse. It got worse, and that's the hard part. Yeah. You know, and, and you know what? Again, we talked about this so much in the pregame show. We just don't lend enough empathy or sympathy, and maybe those are the wrong words, or just maybe just the word is understanding of what a game a road trip like this must do over a Thanksgiving holiday in cold weather cities, having to travel, playing four games against the qual or five games against the quality of opponents you do minus Memphis. I mean it's just truly brutal. And I I mean I think that's a huge part of what happened tonight. It was just a perfect storm of very good home team in Toronto, not a very good road team in the Jazz playing the fourth of fifth night, fourth of, of five games on this road trip, just thinking, how can we get home after Thanksgiving? Just uh, uh, everything that could have gone wrong seemed like it did. Uh, let's get to your points in the paints uh, brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-SERTA or visit certapro.com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting, you do life. Uh, tonight, points in the paint, <clears throat> excuse me, actually tied huh. 46 apiece. But, uh, I mean, you're right, Ben. The Jazz gave Toronto a bunch of open looks from outside in the first half, and they were taking full advantage of them. Tonight, not really a points in the paint, uh, paint night for the Raptors. That's not how they won this one. No. Turnovers, easy baskets, hot three-point shooting. I mean, I think they were... I had like an 88 true shooting percentage at some point. I mean, they were just they were just absolutely locked in. And again, sometimes you just get caught up. And and I, I do believe this. We're we're in a league right now, and you can see it when you you know magnify what the Houston Rockets do, and they just the ridiculous numbers every player seems to be putting up. Luka Doncic is putting up historic yeah. numbers for his age. James Harden is putting up historic numbers for anybody at any point in the career in the NBA. There's a triple double in the league every single night now. We are clearly at this point where because of analytics. We've somewhat perfected how the game is played, where when you play that perfect analytical game, even when you're not going to shoot perfectly, and the Raptors didn't, but you will have a game where you just go crazy. And if the other team has any anomaly, the the chasm between those two teams is going to be unrealistically large. And that's what it felt like tonight, where the Raptors made every single right play statistically— took the shots you want to take, didn't get stuck taking a bunch of bad mid-range shots, and had a good night. And the Jazz still took okay shots, but had too many turnovers and didn't shoot particularly well. And all of a sudden, it's a 40-point game at the half. And I do think that's what smart basketball can do. It, yeah. it will just kill you in a game like this. I think it's it's also why you hear coaches so often go to, and it's it's almost cliche, you uh, you hear it too uh, so much, but get them off of their spots. Yep. Right? And that's something that they actually haven't done real well on this road trip. It was a problem against the Pacers, too. And you talked about that in the pregame where they just weren't physical enough. But if you allow the Toronto Raptors to get to their spots, they're going to they're gonna bury you. 
I mean, there's a lot of talent on that team. And again, we got so caught up in Kawhi Leonard and whether he was going to go or stay that we thought, oh, well, they're on their way to being an average basketball team. And the truth is, they uh, Pascal Siakam is really good. Uh, Fred Van, uh, Van Vliet tonight, uh, Ben, 21 and 11. 21 yeah. points and 11 yeah. assists. I mean, he was unreal. He's a he's a great player. And when Kyle Lowry gets back, you know, they'll they're still a force in the yep. Eastern Conference. And they're 15 and 4. I mean, that's a crazy. It just so happens that the Bucks are 17 and 3 and obviously the Lakers are off to a hot start. Back uh back to Toronto we go coach Quinn Snyder. Dan there were a lot of reasons, but I think, um, you know, our urgency to make certain things important defensively, um, whether that be an assignment or sprinting back, not running back, not jogging back, um, you know, against a team that, like Toronto that, that runs the way they do, there were, um, there were too many breakdowns and, and too many possessions where we lacked the, the urgency we needed. And then... Obviously, you know, the offensive end um, puts you in positions where um, sometimes it's next to impossible to do that. Um, you know, so the, to me, fundamentally, on the offensive end, um, moving the ball, um, spacing correctly, all the things that you have to do collectively um, when you play against a, a very good, an excellent defensive team, that um, it requires you to connect and not just play together but um, really commit to one another to doing all the, the little things that you have to do um, to be successful you can be successful on a possession or two or um, you know but those are the, those are the, the habits and the details that um, when a team's as aggressive and as, as committed as they were to guarding us um, that you need in order to execute all the little details. Do you respond differently because it's the second game in a row where they didn't come out well to begin the game and you know had a big halftime deficit? Um, you know, I, th- that's a that's a question that um, you know I, I, I've said, but I, w- I want to watch um, watch the game. But as far as our response, you can you can see that a couple ways. You can see how we responded in the second half uh, the other night and won the game. You can see we were, you know, we were so far down in the first half that it was difficult, no matter how well we played, to come back and win tonight's game. So, uh, obviously, you know, our focus to begin the game has to be better. Um, when I say better, I think it has to be um, more directed to the things that we need to do to be successful. And sometimes those aren't sweeping things. Um, sometimes it's, you know, not making a shot. You know, tonight it wasn't. A question of you know that 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 can always happen, but that's not that doesn't need to be your focus because that's something that you can't control. So for us to be able to control the things that we can, and in order to do that, you have to feel on a deep level that they're important. Okay. That was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as uh, his team falls tonight in Toronto, one thirty to one ten. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, with you. We'll uh, talk about what coach had to say coming up on the other side. Want to remind you to go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. One thirty to one ten is your final. The Jazz fall in Toronto, right here on the Jazz Radio Network.
Jazz Game Night Post Game Show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Toronto beats the Jazz tonight in Toronto, 130-110. to The Jazz fall to 12-7 and on the season, 4-6 and on the road. And we heard from Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. And I, I don't know what I was expecting out of uh, Coach Snyder, but he, he just sounded almost exhausted. Dejected and exhausted. I mean, even in his voice, you could yeah. tell he'd, uh, he'd almost talk too much tonight. Like, I, there's nothing else I can say. It, it's hardly there. Interesting, though, saying, you know, it, he used the word fundamental a lot, and, and that kind of ties back to the identity of the team, where he's saying fundamentally we're not doing the things or, or not placing enough urgency on the things that we believe in right out of the gate, which is... That's your identity. I mean, you you should come out and establish that right away in every game. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to win every game, but you knew last year the Jazz were going to come out and they were going to be a tough defensive team and Favors was going to be tough and Gobert was going to be tough and the perimeter was going to be tough, and that's what they were going to do. And the Jazz rarely had games where it seemed like they were blown out in the first quarter, and that's kind of you know coming in and establishing who you are. And it just didn't feel like the Jazz did that at all tonight. And that is Quinn Snyder questioning whether or not the roster believes what he believes, you know, and what he preaches and whether or not the team is practicing that. And I don't think it's a huge problem. I don't think it's a big picture problem. But tonight it was a problem. I'll, uh, I'll give you an inter- or a, uh, a kind of a funny example of what I think you're talking about. When I, when I first started working for The Zone, right, it was in covering jazz games on a, on a regular basis. I was doing the visiting locker room, and it was the first year without Carl Malone. Well, without John Carl, right? And to a to a man, each head coach or to a coach, mm-hmm. you know, each head coach of the opposing team would say the same things about playing against the Jazz that uh, you can expect a big time physical matchup, and you know all the things that you'd think about those old traditional Jazz teams. The thing was, is that it really wasn't true with that particular version of sure. the Jazz, right? It, it, it kind of was because they were an overachieving bunch, but it certainly was far from John and Carl. But that reputation still lingered right. with, with all those coaches throughout the league that they'd still talk about right. as if they were playing up against John and Carl. And, and I think you make a, a really interesting point that this team, I think, really wants its identity actually to be somewhat similar to those old Jazz teams, you know, tough, physical Certainly not foul as much as those old jazz yeah. teams, but I, you know, I think you know what I'm getting at. And then he wants, you know, a, a fluid offense that moves the ball, the blender, open shots, analytically sound, all those things that we have, have come to expect from Coach Schneider's uh, coach team. And that is far from what we saw tonight. And I, I'm with you. I think he was kind of saying this: we're we're not doing what we're what we're supposed to be doing, what our identity is supposed to be. Yeah, and look, you're, it, most teams don't establish an identity in 20 games. You know, and, and if you do, you're you're freakish. You're the Boston Celtics with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and you know Rajon Rondo and who's the third star on that team? Oh, Paul Pierce. Yeah. Okay. Of well, course. Paul Pierce was the identity of that pay, of that uh, Celtics team forever, so it was easy to build and around that. And then Ray Allen and and Kevin Garnett are top twenty five players all time, at least in that conversation. Sure. Garnett certainly is. So. And the Jazz didn't add two top 25 players this offseason. So it's not like you're bringing that much identity to the table right now. And guys are being asked to do things differently and sacrifice things they hadn't had to in the past in their games. And it, it, I have zero doubt it's going to come together. I have zero doubt in January this team is going to have a firm identity. It's just not where they are on December 1st. And that's okay. And Coach Snyder teams, for whatever reason, have been slow starters. Yep. This is not the, the first time. Uh, you know, we were having this exact same conversation last year at this time. Um, the Let's get to the assist feature proudly sponsored by Larry H. Miller Dealerships. Throughout the Utah Jazz season, Larry H. Miller Dealerships donating $50 for each assist to Larry H. Miller Charities. We are driven by you. 
Ben, tonight the Jazz, uh, that would be the Raptors, uh, the Jazz had 21 assists on 38 made field goals. Not a dreadful night from an assist standpoint. How many total? uh, 21. They had 15 in the third quarter. There you go. That's all you need. So you had six in three other quarters. Wild. Pretty brutal. That is is crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. That tells the whole story of the night right there. That's also why you had 49 third quarter points. Unbelievable. Uh, The Jazz were led by Royce O'Neal, of all people, with five assists tonight. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had four, and uh, Mike Conley had two. Mike Conley was good tonight. Well, (laughs) he had a really good third quarter also. He led the Jazz with 20 Uh, points. Royce in 19 minutes was plus seven. In a game they were down by 40 in the first half. And lost by 20 That's incredible. That is incredible. Royce is a really good player. He is a good player. He's a really good player. He's a he's a great fit. I I love his story. I mean, I and and you know this is a night to point this out because the tra- uh, the Raptors have so many of these guys. But but I love a guy like Royce O'Neal who you know is is battling. He has to go through the G League and plays himself onto uh, onto a roster is is pretty darn impressive and a pretty easy guy to root yep. for. And, you know, opportunistic and had to be in the right place at the right time to, to figure out how to get there and, and absolutely did that and put in all the dirty work he had to and, you know, coming over from Europe and saying, yeah, I'll take this chance and I'll, you know, not only take this opportunity, but I'll, I'll really show what I can do. And he's done that and he continues to get better. And he has he expanded or added to his game the way I think a lot of jazz fans hoped he would? No, he's not, you know, a pick and roll player. He can't do that. He doesn't do that. He's not a great ball handler. But the things he does, he does well enough to have a huge impact even on games where the Jazz don't look great. Plus, and I'm sure Dennis Lindsay would never make personnel decisions based on this, but it probably didn't hurt that he went to Baylor. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't hurt Some his familiarity. Case. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, get to more coming up right around the corner. We'll get you back down to the locker room for uh, some sound from the players. It's your Jazz game night postgame show. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at Mark Miller Subaru.com. Your final, the Jazz lose to the Raptors tonight, 130 to 110, right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Game night post game show. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. It's brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. Jazz fall tonight in Toronto, one thirty to one ten in a game that they were down by forty, which is a franchise record, Ben. And then they scored forty nine in the third quarter, also a franchise record, only to trail the game going into the fourth by twenty one points. There. I love this about basketball. This is an old Jerry Sloanism. There's always another game. You know, you play tomorrow, yep. and the Jazz literally do play tomorrow, so that's a nice advantage. And maybe you get rolled again. We're going to watch the game together, so I guess we'll figure that out. But when you play this many games, you're going to have weird stuff happen. There's just an, um, a, a certain amount of randomness to every game. And, you know, I, I would be far more concerned if the Jazz were four and 16 at this point right. but they're 12 and eight like they're they're okay they're still in the playoff picture they're only i think a game behind houston you know imagine being where houston is where you just right. traded for russell westbrook and your entire championship window probably rests on what you do this year and the playoff seating you get the jazz aren't in that spot the jazz still have a young superstar in donovan mitchell and they're trying to figure it out it's just growing pains still and the jazz are figuring out and and it, it just happens. There are just funny games in the NBA where this happens. And, you know, the, the Hawks last, la, lost last night by 50 to the Rockets. And I'm more inclined to think that's because the Hawks are terrible 
Nothing about this loss tells me the Jazz are terrible, but they had a terrible game. There's no question about it. Yeah. Jazz had an awful, awful game tonight. I think it's a good thing they did show some pride Absolutely. in the third quarter. You know, give yep. it, give it a little fight. Show you're not, uh, you're not going to go away, even though the game is all but lost. All right, let's take a look at your master of the glass. Brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass, a local vehicle glass expert here for another great year of basketball, and proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass is also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound Program. At the end of the regular season. Safe Flight will donate $5 for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader with all proceeds benefiting the neighborhood house. Tonight's uh, Master of the Glass for the Jazz, of course, as usual. Rudy Gobert, who had 11 rebounds to go along with his 12 points. Four of his uh, rebounds coming on the offensive end, Ben. And the Jazz actually had 15 offensive rebounds. It was a pretty good number for them. Yeah, I actually thought Rudy came out and looked good for the first four minutes of the first quarter, and again, we're nitpicking here, but you're trying to pull out a few positives, and I thought Rudy was good on the defensive glass early, where the Raptors looked like a couple of spots. They would have had easy offensive putbacks, and the Jazz prevented that, and I thought, okay, maybe you're starting to get Rudy back. This is a hard game to judge whether or not Rudy's back from that ankle injury, where I didn't think he was in the last two games, because he has just traditionally struggled with Marcus Gasol, right. and pick-and-pop players, and Marcus Gasol might be the best pick-and-pop player other than Dirk Nowitzki in NBA history? I mean, he's probably in that conversation, and now that's because we have this modern league and, and right. somebody will easily surpass Marc Gasol. But to this point, I mean, he's in that conversation as one of the best ever. So Rudy struggled with that, and Boyan Bogdanovich has not figured out how to cover up for Rudy Gobert's man yet at this point. I mean, it's repeatedly it's been a problem. And that goes back to Quinn Snyder talking about fundamentally understanding what the Jazz are trying to accomplish. And that's just understanding rotations 20 games into a season when Boyan Bogdanovich has never played with a guy like Rudy Gobert. Uh, On the Gasol, what you're talking about, when I think of Gasol v. Rudy, I think of uh, the game two years ago when Memphis was intentionally losing games. Mike Conley was hurt two years ago, remember that? And uh, Mark Gasol came into this building and just went nuts on the Jazz. And the Grizzlies were in the game going into the fourth quarter. And uh, who was the coach at the time? Because he got fired. J.B. Bickerstaff? Was it? mm, Anyway, point being, was it J.B. Bickerstaff? He benched Gasol for the entire fourth quarter. And you remember how angry Mark Gasol was? He was red hot mad because he was having a crazy good night. It's just, it's a really tough matchup for Rudy Gobert. You're right. And it always has been. And, you know, there aren't. You know, fortunate for Rudy, there aren't too many Mark Gasols in the NBA, but there are a couple, and they, they, you know, a couple players like him. And I almost don't want to say it's a bad matchup for Rudy. It's a bad matchup for the system the Jazz run. Because Rudy can't guard the three-point line and guard the and drop back. Like right. He's fundamentally supposed to drop back and guard the paint because he's the best in the world at it. And then if you get killed, the Jazz will say, okay, the percentages have not shifted in our favor, and we're going to make you go out and play. But, you know, th- they absolutely picked their poison. They picked the right poison, which is Rudy dropping back, and then it, it beat them in the first quarter. So, you know, Mark Gasol, did, what did he finish with tonight? Did he have 11 points? Yeah, something like that. But Let's see what he ended up finishing with. I can pull this up. I've, I've got it right here. 11 and 6. Okay. Guess how many points he had after the first quarter? Huh. 11 points. How about that? So he didn't score after the first quarter. Hmm. But it was good enough in the first quarter there to uh, to really put it on the jazz there. Yeah, really. <laughs> basically in the game. All right. Uh, let's throw things back to Toronto where Mike Conley is talking to the media. Just kind of was a snowball effect and um, everybody kind of got down. And when you... You know, playing against a team like we are tonight, you cannot have, you know, five-minute spans where you, you don't score or you don't even get shot attempts up because you, you know, turn the ball over or, um, you know, just like I said, the small things that, that lead to, to wins. So, um, you know, we got to be better. What actually did go well for you guys on this win? 
I honestly thought it started defensively. We just started picking up. We started being more physical, um, not worrying about foul calls, not worrying about contact, playing through things, uh, not being so cool, you know, just uh, kind of getting into an uncomfortable zone. And that's something, I, you know, talking to the guys with just be okay being uncomfortable um, and, and try to work in that in that zone. And I think that'll help us. And uh, that's what we were doing that third quarter. We were just playing hard and playing for each other, making extra passes. And, um, and, and that's jazz basketball. Is that something you can take forward to have that kind of second half? knowing the way the first half um, Yeah, if you can take anything away from a game like tonight, it would be that. And uh, we know we play tomorrow. You know, we're right, right back at it against a very good team. So um, if we learned anything is that we got to figure out how to get off to good starts, how to get off to mentally being, you know, ready to go physically, being, you know, the team that jumps on you and stays hungry and, and, and that kind of a style. Mike, you talked about this Raptors team playing at championship level, but what do you make of the, the way they're playing with no Kawhi Leonard and no Kyle Lowry in the lineup right now? Um, man, they're they're uh, they're tough. They're really tough. They just they just play so well together. They play so well uh, in transition. For one, you know, they're a defensive team that that gets out so quickly. And with Pascal playing at his level, um, it's it's hard to it's hard to deal with. You know, you have to be very very focused and locked in on all facets of the game if you want to have a chance of beating a team like tonight. Well, it took a while for <laughs> to come out and talk to us post game. Was he talking to you guys during that stretch? And so what you know, what was he saying? What was his message? Um, yeah, he was talking to us and, um, you know, basically was, you know, how bad do we want to you know, be a good team? How bad do we want to win? Uh, are we willing to sacrifice and do little things? Uh, like, I, like I said earlier, just getting back on defense is something we, we all can, can control. Um, turn the ball over, we can control that. Like, we can control these things that, that um, you know, we were doing tonight and, um, you know, there's no excuses. And we just got to get, get, you know, to watch and film, get back to work. And luckily, we have another game tomorrow. So, probably because of how aggressively you were playing Pascal early on. I mean, Mark was encouraged to be aggressive. That's probably the most aggressive he's been all year. What was it like watching that and just playing against him in general? Um, you know, I knew he, he was going to do that somehow. Uh, I've, I've watched a lot of the games, and uh, I was telling the guys, like, I guarantee you he's going to shoot a lot more tonight, whether it's because he's playing me or whatever, but, you know, he's, he's going to be aggressive, and he came out, and with him stretching the floor like that early, really kind of threw off what we were trying to do. Um, but you know, that's what makes him so dangerous. He's he's capable of doing it any night and, uh, and, and doing whatever it takes for his team. That was Mike Conley as the Jazz fall to the Raptors tonight, 130-110. to 110. Let's check out, uh, check out your three-point takeover sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than 80 years. Tonight, the Jazz from three, Ben, actually certainly acceptable, 13 of 35 for uh, 37%. Uh, they were led tonight by Mike Conley's four of six as he was just terrific there in the third quarter. Joe Ingles was two of three, Royce O'Neal two of five, Donovan Mitchell two of six. The third quarter just screwed up all the stats for the Jazz it because really again did. at the half they were shooting 27% from the floor and 20% from three. So yeah, they were just red hot. They were 8 of 10 from the three-point line in the third quarter and yeah, it's going to make you salvage the game. You know, and you lost a game by 20 that you really were down 40 in one point. But I mean, the game is a game of runs and that's fine. That that, that is what happens. But yeah, the, the Jazz, I mean, the first half was just so insanely bad and so, you know, bizarre. They had what, how many turnovers they have? They're 12, which is surprisingly low, actually, in the first half to just have 12 turnovers. But mm-hmm. the numbers were so awful and so off that 
for the third quarter to be that explosive to almost normalize this game as a regular loss to go back on is is going to be funny. The the scoreboard watchers, or I guess I should say the box score watchers, you know, nationally will not recognize how bad of a game this actually was for the Jazz. Other than the fact that you'll see a couple of tweets that they were down by forty. I think uh, maybe it was Tony Jones who tweeted out uh, of the Athletic who he said the Jazz saved themselves from leading Sports Center. Yeah. Right, Which they probably is really did. what they did. Yeah, you know the Raptors probably have a bunch of twenty point wins this season. Right, because they're a really good team, and and the Jazz look like another one of those. But this was a historic performance from both sides. Good for the Raptors, bad for the Jazz. All right, just because you know we don't talk a ton of Eastern Conference uh, NBA basketball, Ben, but handicap the East for me. How do you see it right now? I believe in this Raptors team after tonight because Marcus Ole has more in him than I thought he did. Now again, he he hasn't been that fantastic on the season, but. Though that what he does works. That pop out and three point shooting absolutely works, and he's a thirty five percent three point shooter on the season, so that still works. And they have a ton of three point shooters. We said ten guys that shoot better than thirty five percent, and they don't even have Lowry playing right now, who I think still probably has plenty left in the tank. He's not all star Kyle Lowry anymore, but when you have Fred Van Vliet, he doesn't need to be. No, he's You've, still good. So they're really good. They're not as good as Milwaukee because Milwaukee has the best player in the East, if not the best player in the NBA, in Giannis Antetokounmpo. But I think they may have more flaws than Toronto has. Hmm. Where, I mean, we saw it against the Jazz. Sometimes when it's not Giannis, I don't know who else they have. And Chris Middleton has nights, and but it's not every night. And I think they've got some older guys in that point guard rotation and Bledsoe and George Hill, which might not be great. So those are the top two teams. Philly is disjointed. And I wonder, I, they really responded poorly to adversity. I thought after last season getting eliminated like they did off of a crazy buzzer beater that would have sent them to the Eastern Conference Finals, which maybe they would have won and gone to the finals and maybe won a championship. They've responded so poorly. I wonder if that has more to do with the attitudes of that team and the existing questions of whether or not Brett Brown was really a great head coach or not. I'm not sold on Brett Brown either. Yeah. I think that's that's one thing. And they, they miss Jimmy Butler. I think yeah, we're finding out how – I mean, Jimmy Butler may not be the most um, likable teammate. Sure. But Jimmy Butler is really good. He wins a lot of games. He wins a lot Everywhere of games. Everywhere he goes, they, they pretty much win. And that was my concern on Philadelphia going into this year. Is I Watching those playoff matchups last year, who had the ball in the final five minutes in those close games in the fourth quarter? It wasn't Ben Simmons. Well, who has a killer instinct on that team? And I think sometimes we overrate that stuff, but Ben Simmons had no pride when he was at LSU, and that's fine. Maybe the NCAA is a sham. But like even when you're on the floor, like those those competitive juices didn't naturally ignite the way they do with some guys who won't lose a ping pong match and you know playing in the locker room in yeah. an NBA. Scene. Like these guys are mega competitive. I don't know if Ben Simmons has that. Joel Embiid's extremely late to the game. He played very late in his high school career, and I don't know if those competitive juices are there as much. Like going over when he returned to Toronto after losing. Right to Kawhi on that buzzer beater, like that was his return. That was the best he had to offer. And then I don't know. Tobias Harris has always been great, but kind of floats. You know, he like he gets an easy twenty five points and doesn't impact winning a ton. Hmm. At least it's felt that way at times in his career, which is why he's been traded so many times despite right. being that good. So that could be the the issue. And we'll get a good look at it tomorrow when the Jazz play Philly. And uh, did I miss it? Are you buying Boston? You like in the Celtics? Yes, because I love Kemba, and I think Kemba's the real deal because he cares. Yes, you know, he does. I mean, no, you, he does. you saw his run to the Big East tournament at UConn and eventually a national championship. I mean, his care factor is through the roof. They so needed, I love that uh, about him. They needed a glue guy, too. Yeah. That that team desperately needed somebody that was going to keep every or get everybody rowing in the right direction. But over seven games against Giannis or against Joel Embiid or against this Raptors team, which the cohesion is basically perfect. Right. I mean, I know we're basing it off tonight, but they put this on a lot of teams. I mean, they crushed Portland earlier this year on the road, too. Uh, 
that I don't think Boston's that good. So I think they're a firm fourth. Okay. All right. I think I, I, I think uh, I'm there with you. I'm certainly way more sold on Toronto. Yep. Than uh, than I thought I would be. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with Siakam too, by the way, because you lose your number one, you've got to have a number one. And Siakam's looking like he could be that for this Toronto Raptors team. All right, coming up right around the corner, we will uh, put a bow on this one. We'll get Ben's thoughts on uh, Philadelphia coming up tomorrow. And you're going to be back with me again tomorrow. That's nice, Ben. Nice. Two Early games, games too. Yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll get some final thoughts on this one. What are you taking, if anything, from this loss to the Raptors? We'll get to it straight ahead. It is your Jazz Game Night post-game show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Your final, the Raptors beat the Jazz tonight, 130 to 110, right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Game night post game show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retail, uh, retailer. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson of KSL Sports with you. The Jazz fall tonight in Toronto to the Raptors, 130 to 110. And we've talked about this a little bit, Ben. Uh, they literally play tomorrow night, so uh, they'll need to put this one behind them quickly. Probably want to forget about it anyway, but they're going to take on the 76ers in Philadelphia tomorrow night. And uh, Ben, Philly, we, we talked about it a little bit in the last segment. They certainly are far from the perfect team, and they have their own issues. But, man, fifth game of a five-game road trip, second night of a back-to-back. Philly, certainly a very talented team. It's going to be an uphill battle for the Jazz tomorrow night. Well, Jake, we did the Milwaukee game to start this five-game trip for the Jazz, and we said if you can go two and three on this trip, you're in a successful spot. That was a good trip. Jazz can honestly still do that. And Quinn Snyder, the way Mike Conley talked – it really sounds like Quinn challenged this team after that game and said, how badly do you want to win? How badly do you care about doing the things we care about? Because, I mean, it apparently it took, uh, it took Quinn a while to come out and address the media, meaning he was having a real sit-down, heart-to-heart with the team. And I don't think Quinn overdoes that. I mean, he takes a lot of practices off this season. He's taking a lot of shoot-arounds off just to try and make sure, hey, I trust you guys. We're veterans. This is a, this is a ship that can ride itself. And then tonight after the game, it sounds like he realized, hey, I've got to intervene. I've got to talk our team through this. And the Jazz historically have responded to Quinn Snyder's kind of actions like this when it seems like something has dramatically changed or something has triggered Quinn to say, hey, we need to fix something seriously. And the Jazz have usually responded pretty well. So I won't be at all surprised if the Jazz have a much better response tomorrow. Now, I don't think that's a win. And no, you're not going to be down to 40 at the half because that's so rare to have happen. And so I guess anything is an improvement on tonight. But I bet you the Jazz play significantly better tomorrow and have a much better and firmer identity. Maybe this is a a little clue as to what they talked about post game. Donovan Mitchell just tweeted out, "Please, please, please have the same energy, please." And then the little emoji he always tweets out with yeah. the, the zipper yeah. smiley face yeah. or whatever. And now I have no idea what that means, hmm. but maybe Quinn Snyder was talking. Maybe a little more energy. Yeah, maybe, maybe some more energy. Maybe a little more energy would be good. Yeah, he can't argue with that. I mean, you get your doors blown off in the first quarter. You probably didn't show up with the right amount of energy, and, and and not to to harp on you know another bad loss, but it was the same thing against Indiana. I mean, it was the same thing against the Pacers, where they just had way more energy. Uh, I mean, they were just zero energy in the first 
half the game, minus the first five minutes. And, you know, also probably the energy from the Jazz fan base. I mean, Jazz Twitter gets ugly after losses and has been uh, impatient early this season for a team that probably deserves some patience and a franchise that certainly has earned some patience. So maybe he's talking to the fan base a little bit, says, hey, once things get turned around, and they will get turned around for the Jazz, Mm -hmm. show that same energy. Be that enthusiastic about the team when they're playing well. And Jazz fans do. Jazz fans love this team. Twitter is just such a terrible place sometimes. Yeah. It really, it's just it's a mixed bag. With negativity. Mostly bad. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's a not that mixed. Very mixed bag. Yeah. But, you you know, what a what a world. You, you think of what a world today that, and this is just my commentary on Twitter, that you can send the meanest, nastiest, Adrian, name a celebrity. Any celebrity. Anna Kendricks. <laughs> you could send the meanest, nastiest thing you could think of to Anna Kendricks. And there is at least, what, a, a small percent chance that they'll actually see that yeah. and get that message? Absolutely. I Probably mean, a higher than small percent chance. Right? I mean, everyone reads their press clippings. Could you imagine when we were growing up, you know, just having any, any Donovan Mitchell's phone number where you could give him a call right. and there was a, some percent chance he would he would answer the phone? Right. I mean, the access that we have to these people is just remarkable. And and the, the, the looseness in the way that people utilize this communication tool is is somewhat ridiculous. Because there's an assumption that they're never going to read it. Right. And what people need to realize is they so often read it. They don't respond, but more often than not, they see it. It's, you know what? It, it's interesting. I wonder, like, maybe this. Uh, you remember um, Jabari Parker when he took a visit at BYU, mm-hmm. and and the mania kind of freaked him out a little bit. Overwhelmed by it. I wonder how many recruiting stories in college there are where people are like, "Oh man, I got this reaction from this fan base. I don't. I don't you see, any part of that NBA players on every team respond to tweets that says their name but doesn't have their actual Twitter handle. Meaning right. these guys are searching their names because they want to see what people are saying about them or. Somebody is showing them what is being said about them, and they're they're athletes. You know, they they're hypercritical people. That's how they finish their. That's how they've gotten this good at their game. Right, is by being hypercritical. So they're going to see what people are saying about it. This him. is a, a pretty random uh, <laughs> subject that we've gotten ourselves on, Ben. But, you know, the Jazz lost by 20 and it's Sunday night. But have you ever seen the uh, the baseball Simpsons where uh, where Mr. Burns puts together all the ringers yes. for, the, for the softball or whatever? Yeah. And Daryl Strawberry's in right field. And, and Lisa is just yelling at Daryl Strawberry, you know, yep. hey, Strawberry, you stink or whatever. And Marge scolds her. Lisa, be nice. And she goes, Mom, these guys are professional athletes. This stuff just rolls right off their back and then it shows a, a, a close-up of Daryl Strawberry and there's a tear <laughs> running running down his cheek you know it's it, I think it goes back to our theme of the night which is understand the humanity of the players these are humans these are humans they're you know road trips are going to catch up with you long travels going to catch up with you missing your family on Thanksgiving's going to catch up with you and then yeah the critical side that you're going to see on uh uh, on Twitter is going to catch up with you too. So I don't know what Donovan was tweeting about, but the team does need more energy. Yeah, I saw Kyrie the other night. No doubt about it. Kyrie Irving the other night had his meltdown on because of yep. social media because he didn't play in Boston yeah. because he's hurt because he's hurt and lambasted him and just killed him for not playing in Boston on his return. Or how about Kevin Durant who who feels it necessary to create a fake Twitter account? Four hundred fifty players in the NBA. How many do you think have fake Twitter accounts? Oh, probably a way higher percentage. Like four hundred. Now, I don't know if they all respond, but they all have burner accounts that they're following right. and looking. And 30 coaches out of 30 in the NBA have Twitter accounts. I guarantee you every single coach in the NBA has a Twitter account. Maybe Greg Popovich doesn't. Maybe it's 29. But every other coach in the NBA has a, t- a Twitter account. Well, what's his name? Got uh, Colangelo, the kid. Uh, Colangelo yep. Jr. got fired for basically having a Twitter, yep. uh, fake Twitter account, right? Yep. Or, and then he threw his wife under the bus and said it was her. 
His shirt collars look good. <laughs> he was complaining about people criticizing his shirt collar. I remember reading his statement on that, throwing his wife under the bus, and I thought, you know what? This marriage might not be not be, be for the long Either haul. it's a bad marriage or it's the best marriage. Where she just bites the bullet. Whatever we, whatever we have to do to make this thing work, we're going to get it done. <laughs> All right. All right. Off, off on that tangent, Ben. Let's, uh, let's talk about what you're taking from this game, if anything, if you're the Utah Jazz. Uh, you know, this is enough. You, you let enough things slide long enough that eventually you're going to run into a team that's just going to absolutely pick up on every single one of them and destroy you. And that's what happened tonight. It seemed like the Jazz just kind of got careless enough in a few of those spots, which was... You know, how are you going to play defense? What's your energy going to be? Are you going to be there for the right rotation on Marcus Gasol? When you get into that mid-range shot, are you just going to hoist up a mid-ranger or are you going to throw a lazy pass or are you actually going to kind of run some of the crisp things that we need you to run? And you just do enough of them wrong and they pile up in a first quarter that you're down 17. And then all that other extracurricular stuff of the travel comes into play and that's why you lose. So that's what I take away from tonight was long enough some of the, the players were getting by by being talented and maybe not focused enough, and that's what Quinn Snyder talked about after the game, and I bet you that fixes itself before tomorrow. All right, we will be uh, we will be back tomorrow for the game against the 76ers. We want to say a big thanks to Locke and Boone for their fine work today. Thanks to the broadcast assistants. Thanks to Adrian Leiser, executive producer of Jazz Game Night. Thanks to Mark Miller Subaru, t- uh, title sponsor of the Jazz Game Night postgame show. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at Mark Miller Subaru. Com. Ben, thank you very much, my good friend. I will see you back here in, what, what do we want to say? Tw- 21 hours? 21 hours. We will be uh, right back behind these very microphones. And I bet we have a better game to talk about. I I hope so. <laughs> I really do, because down 40 at half, it, it doesn't That's get, tough. It doesn't get it much worse. It has never been worse for the it's Jazz. It's tough to be worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. All right, thanks to everybody for listening as well. 130 to 110 is your final. You heard it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.